Well, amen. This morning we've come together to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I pray that you've come in here with your heart conditioned to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. We've also come together to recognize our high school seniors. And seniors, I am so incredibly proud of you for your many accomplishments. We've already given you an applause. And man, I'm just so excited for you and your future. You are about to transition into a period of your life that is going to be one of the most exciting times of your life. So next four or five years of your life will set into motion, really, the next 40, 50, or 60 years of your life. You are going to make some professional decisions. You are going to declare what you are going to be, basically, for the rest of your life. So let me encourage you. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you as you make that professional decision. As you make that decision, what career path you're going to go down. You're also going to make some relational decisions. There is a great chance over the next four or five years that you are going to um, meet your future spouse. So you need to make some key decisions. A, that you're going to remain sexually pure. B, that you're going to find someone that is a godly man or a woman that loved Jesus with all their hearts. Iron sharpens irons. And you're also going to make spiritual decisions. For the first time in your life, your parents aren't going to be coming knocking on your door and dragging you to church. You're going to have to make a decision every single Sunday that you're going to get up and you're going to come to church. And you also have to make a decision every single day that you are going to live your life for Jesus Christ. These are just a few of the decisions that you're going to make. No pressure, right? Man, these are some important decisions that you have to make. And I pray that you will choose wisely. Prior to Super Bowl fourteen, the former governor of California, Ronald Reagan, happened to be running for the president of the United States. And as he was leaving one of um, the, the places that he was at, he was asked by someone, who is it that you like in the Super Bowl this year? And without hesitation, he said, the Rams. And, and then um, he thought for a second, And at this time, the Rams were the Los Angeles Rams. And then he thought for a second, wait a minute, I'm not running for governor of California. He goes, may the best team win. Isn't it amazing how quickly our loyalties change? Think about how quickly we just flip-flop in our lives. This morning, we, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture out of the book of Daniel. We're going to be studying the life of three Hebrew children that were raised in godly homes. They were kidnapped by a ruthless king, and they were indoctrinated in all the ways of a pagan empire. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Daniel. And we're, we're going to really camp out in Daniel chapter 3. But the first few verses that we're going to read this morning are found in Daniel chapter 1. Now this is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture, as I know it is yours as well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three Israelite children who were captured and enslaved by the king of Babylon. During this time, 
The king was King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar would invade Israel on three different occasions. And each of those times, he would destroy the land. So over these three conquests, he would destroy Jerusalem. He would destroy the temple. And he would enslave and bring back a vast majority of the Israelites to Babylon. And, and he would only leave behind a small remnant of people that would be left to work the land. Here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Our message point is this. Have the courage to stand. Have the courage to stand. You and I need to have the courage to stand for Jesus, even if this world around us is bowing and succumbing to the pressures of this world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 3. Point number one this morning is this. They would not break. That is dedication. As we think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, notice they would not break. That is dedication. So in verse 3, the king commanded Asphanaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the units gave them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the king of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. You know, we don't know a whole lot about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or Daniel before they left Israel. What we do know based upon scripture is that they were from royalty or from nobility. They were handsome, they were intelligent, they were wise, they were trustworthy, and they had great leadership capabilities. Their names and their refusal to eat from the king's table tell us a lot about their character. Daniel, his name means God is my judge. Hananiah, who would be named after a pagan god, he would be given the name Shadrach. His Hebrew name means beloved of the Lord. Mishael, who became Meshach, his Hebrew name means who is as God. And Azariah, who would be named Abednego, his Hebrew name means the Lord is my help. You know, their identity as being God's men would go with them all of the days of their lives. Go with them all of the days of their lives. Even though this world would give them pagan names after pagan gods, they never forgot whose they were or whom they belonged to. The king gave these men the best education that the world had to offer at the time. He's going to allow them to eat of 
some of the finest food in all of the land. And he's going to give them new names, new identities, and bright futures. Not bad for a bunch of slave boys, huh? You know, these boys were brought out of Israel and enslaved in a pagan empire, but they were given places of leadership. For three years, he worked to indoctrinate them. Think about our educational system today, especially our schools of higher learning. What are they trying to do? They're trying to indoctrinate our students every time they step onto those college campuses. They're trying to indoctrinate them in the area of the ways of the languages of this world, the ways of the world, the religions of the world, and the gods of this world. Here's a scary statistic. 70% of all evangelical students that currently are active in church when they go off to college, 70% of them will drop out of church. Some forever, some for just a season. Students, what I want you to know, church body, what I want us all to know this morning is that we have been set apart by God. The devil, he is going to come knocking, Itney. He's going to come knocking at the door of our heart, trying to get us to cave, trying to break us, trying to get us to give in. When I think about our, this group of students, what I know about these students is these students are pretty solid in their faith. Every single one of these students have no doubt that God the Father created them. They have no doubt that God the Son saved them. And they have no doubt that God, the Holy Spirit, abides in them and guides them and directs them. Today, their faith is is pretty rock solid. But here's what's going to happen to them as it has happened to us. There are going to be people along the way that are going to try to defile us. They're going to try to corrupt us. They're going to try and get us to give into the things of this world and to compromise our beliefs. So students, let me encourage you to stand strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. Have the courage to stand. Church, have the courage to stand. We know the devil is going to come a-knocking. Let's have the courage to stand. Point number two is this. They would not bow. That is devotion. So fast forward some years. The, the Hebrew children had completed their education, and they had been appointed to key leadership positions within Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Their faith is about to be challenged. King Nebuchadnezzar builds this giant image made of gold. And we read in Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, so flip over a page or two in your Bibles. We're going to read verse 1 to begin with. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. This image stood 90 feet tall. That's pretty tall. Think about the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty is about 140 feet tall. Just a few feet smaller is this statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had built. And this statue was built 
for worship. And not the worship of the one true God, but for the worship of man. Isn't that what we are experiencing more and more in our world today? We have constructed images that reflect the glory of man and man's accomplishments. And we bow every single day and worship our own accomplishments as uh, uh, within humanity. Idol worship is a construction of gods made in our image that reflect our image and display our glory. So King Nebuchadnezzar issues this command to all of the people to bow down and worship this image that he had constructed with his own hands. And let's continue reading together. We're going to skip down to verse 4 and verses 2 and 3 just talks about how King Nebuchadnezzar issued all of the people, basically all of the leaders around his empire to come together to, um, to, to worship this image. So in verse 4 we read, And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever Whoever does not fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. So the instruments play. And everyone that was present that day on that field bowed their knee and worshipped this image with the exception of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, think about this. This passage says that all of the Chaldeans worshipped. Says that people from every nation worshiped. So that means that all of these Jews that were brought out of Israel bent their knee and they worshiped this image that was constructed by this pagan king. Everyone bowed down with the exception of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did not bow. You know why they didn't bow? Because they knew the law. They knew the second commandment. The second commandment is this. You shall not make for yourself an idol. They didn't bow because they were not about to defile themselves. They were not about to break the law or to break the commandments that God had written upon their heart. These men did not bow because they were devoted to their God. Faith family, our devotion to God will be challenged by the godless men and women that that reside outside of the doors of this church. Every single day, your devotion to God is challenged, isn't it? Think about your daily life and your daily routines. You are challenged at work. You are challenged at school. You are challenged, for some of you, in your homes, by your friends. This government is challenging us every single day to bend and to bow and to break. Graduates, many of you will be challenged by your professors. They're going to try to get you to bow to the, to the um, idols that they have constructed with their hands. Your future bosses are going to challenge you to bow to the idols that they have constructed with their hands. And it is likely, if you don't date the right person, that the person you date will try and get you to bow down to the images that they too have constructed with their own hands. What are you going to do? Are you going to bow? Or you, will you remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ 
and stand when everybody else around you is bowing. That brings us to point number three. Point number three is this. They would not bend. That is determination. Here's what happens next. Certain Chaldeans come forward and tell the king that certain Jews did not bow down and worship his golden image. So we see here in Daniel chapter 3, in verse 8, it says this. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn... Pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So here's, here's the reality. Here's what happens. These three Hebrew children have been appointed to leadership positions. And you know why these Chaldeans went to the king and ratted them out? You know why they did that? Because they were jealous of them. Think about it. Man, these Hebrew children that were born in a foreign land in Israel, they worshipped, we know, the one true God. But to the, all of these people of Babylon, they worshipped a foreign God. These men were enslaved. They were brought into their land. And somehow these Chaldeans were passed over for leadership positions. And as a result, these Hebrew children were, were appointed to key positions within this empire. So jealousy is what caused these men to rat out these three Hebrew children. Here is the reality. There are going to be times in life when your faith will be attacked, when your integrity will be attacked, when your morality will be attacked, when your family will be attacked, and your credibility will be attacked. You will take the high road, but there are going to be people that are going to be watching your every move, and when you do not bend, bow, or cave, guess what they're going to do? They're going to rat you out. That's a reality of life. Adults, you've had that experience probably in your life. If your place of employment or over the course of your life, you did not bend, bow, or break. And as a result of that, someone ratted you out. When that happens, students, adults, what will you do? As we continue reading together, when the king gets word that these men did not bow, he is absolutely furious. Man, he is absolutely livid. Let's continue reading in verse 13. It says, In King Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought so that they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you did not serve, that you do not serve my God to worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the symphony, symphony is what we're going to say here, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. 
And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So here's the deal. King Nebuchadnezzar, basically, he has just set a challenge before these three Hebrew children. Let's continue to see, to read together and see what happens. In verses 16 through 18, we read this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These young men's faith has just been challenged. In fact, since the day that they were brought into this foreign land, their faith had been challenged. What I love about this story is that these men did not break, bow, or bend under pressure. This godless king and his godless kingdom demanded that they bow down on bended knee and worship this God constructed with human hands. You know, we live in a world today when you and I are being told over and over that you will do this. It's coming straight from the top of our government that we are being dictated what we will do regardless of what God's word says. You will recognize same-sex marriage. You will open up your bathrooms to anybody, to any sex that wants to use them. And if you don't, guess what happens? We will defund you. We will bankrupt you is what we're hearing. And we're also seeing over and over more and more that you will abort unborn babies. And guess what? Your tax dollars are going to pay for this. Every single day, it seems that our rights as Christians are being stripped from us. We as believers are being deemed intolerant for not caving to these godless decisions that are being forced upon us. What I love about these three Hebrew children is that they refuse to compromise their beliefs. They did not bow. They certainly could have bowed, and not a single person present that day would have questioned their motives. Because every single person over that vast field had bent down and worshipped this idol. So if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have bowed their knee, guess what? There would not have been a single person that would have questioned them. There wouldn't have been a single person that would have, as they were down on bended knees, said, hey, man, why aren't you standing up for the one true God? Well, the reason they wouldn't have been questioned is because every other Israelite that were brought into captivity that was present that day, they too had bent down and worshipped. This idol constructed with human hands. They wouldn't have questioned because every single one of them had bought into the lie and worshipped this God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they recognized that that statue was not their God. And they recognized that the land that they were in was not their homeland. Folks, these things around us, that have been constructed with human hands, that we ascribe great worth to every day. Those things are not our gods. This land that we temporarily live in, this is not our home. 
we're just passing through, aren't we? We are here for a short time. Let's stand. When everybody around us is bowing, let's stand up for what we believe in and ascribe great worth to the Lord Jesus Christ. These men resolved many years before this that the one true God was their God and no godless king could change them. He could attempt to give them a new name, but they knew their one true name. They knew their identity. They knew whom they belonged to. Over and over again, God has shown himself to be faithful to these men, and they knew it, and they were confident that God was more than capable and able to deliver them from that fiery furnace. They had absolute confidence that they would be delivered. What I love next in Scripture, in verse 18 again, these men say, but if not. They were also perfectly okay if God chose not to deliver them. They knew that God could deliver them, but they were okay if God chose not to deliver them. Verse 18, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. When life gets hard, how do you respond? Do you demonstrate great faith by acknowledging that God's got you? Whatever the situation is, God's got you, and he's there with you, and he's going to deliver you from those fiery furnaces? Or do you just kind of throw your hands up in the air and give up and give in and bow down? Because that's the easy thing to do, isn't it? It's what everybody else is doing. So why shouldn't I do it as well? Everybody else is. So I'm going to do it. You and I have the power within us to change the new normal. And that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. When everyone around you bows and submits to the new normal of this land, what are you going to do? That brings us to our final point. They did not break, bend, bow. Also notice, they would not burn. That is deliverance. So verse 19 through 21, we read, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually was heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Furnace. So here is the picture. This furnace is heated up seven times hotter than normal. And, and just kind of to make a spectacle of the situation, do you notice what the king did? The king orders that their cloaks be placed on them, their tunics be placed upon them, their hats. And if that wasn't enough, he says, throw the other garments on them as well. I'm sure that all of these garments were put on these men because they were highly flammable. And this king knew that they were highly flammable. They would make for a better show for this godless king and his godless empire and all those godless people that had gathered together that day to watch these men burn. Verse 22 we read, Because the king's order was urgent, And the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire 
killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Wow. This fire was heated so hot that these men that were bringing them up to be pushed into that fiery furnace were killed instantly. They could have been vaporized in a moment. But not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, have you ever gotten close to a fire? And you can feel the effects of that fire. You know, if you're grilling outside and, man, you got to flip that burger and you get too close to that flame, man, you can feel that. Sometimes it even singes the hairs on your hand because that fire is so hot. So these men, man, they died instantly. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what happened to them? Man, obviously they were close to that fire, weren't they? But obviously they didn't feel the effects of that fire because what did they do? They fell bound into that fire. And let's continue to read our story this morning. If you have ever wondered how big our God is, then let's continue to reading. In verse 24, it says, And King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Folks, that is absolutely impossible. People do not get into proximity of a raging fire and walk away unharmed and unscathed. That just does not happen unless God is in that fire with you. You and I most likely will never be thrown into a a raging fire for our faith. We will never have to be challenged, most likely, with being thrown into a fiery furnace for not bowing on bended knee and worshiping the idols that were constructed by the men of this world. But I promise you this, there are going to come days in your life when you will be challenged to bow. When you will be challenged to bend. You will be challenged to break and to compromise, and to give in to the powers of this world. What are you going to do when that happens? College grads, what are you going to do when you are faced with that challenge? Faith family, what are you going to do when you are faced with that challenge? Will you bow because that is the easy thing to do, or will you stand so that the world around us can see how great our God is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood. And did you notice what King Nebuchadnezzar said? He acknowledged that the one true God was their God. 
Continue reading in verse 28. It says, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb for limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Folks, there are going to be fires in your life. You can count on it and you can bank on it. Let me ask you this question. Would you rather avoid the fires of life and go at life alone? Or would you rather walk through the raging fires knowing that Jesus Christ is right there with you? You have this promise that God will be with you regardless of the fires if you choose to walk through them. In Isaiah 43, we read, When you pass through the waters, this is God speaking, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When you and I walk with Jesus, we have this promise that Jesus is walking with us. I love what Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 38 and 39 say. It says, it says this, Paul is writing. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we stand for Jesus, Jesus stands for us. You know, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament is the story of Stephen. You know the story of Stephen, don't you? Stephen was a deacon. And Stephen stood up and preached the word of God against the godless men that were a part of the religious elite. And as a result of that, these men became so infuriated with Stephen that they drug him outside the city and they stoned him. And as they were stoning him, Stephen looked up toward heaven and he said, I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. In Acts chapter 7, we read that. I want to just read to you this passage. says this. Now when they heard these sayings, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And, they, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. So what we've just looked at in our story was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
when they chose to stand, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. There wasn't three of them, but guess what? There were four of them, and the fourth was the Son of God. Here's the story of Stephen. Stephen chose not to bow to the religious leaders of the world. And as a result of that, he was stoned for his faith. But before he was stoned, he looked into heaven and he saw Jesus Christ standing for him. When you and I stand for Jesus, Jesus will stand for us. Let me challenge you, all of us in this room, not to bow down to the idols of this world, but to stand for our faith and for Jesus Christ. Don't avoid the fires and try to go at life alone. But when fires do present themselves, when this world is challenging us to bow, let's not bow. Let's go right through those fires knowing and recognizing that Jesus Christ is going to be there with us. This morning you may be here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. You don't know if you'd spend it with Jesus or if you'd spend it separated from Jesus in a place called hell. Here is the reality. One day, every single one of us will take our final breath on planet Earth. And when you take your next breath, when you take your next breath, are you going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you going to be separated from Jesus in a place called hell? If you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never repented of your sins, and if you've never cried out to Jesus and asked him to forgive you of your sins, then I want you to know right now you will spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But if you make a commitment on this side of eternity to bow your knee before Jesus Christ and worship him and worship him alone and ask him to forgive you of your sins, then you can have this promise that one day you will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. So if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to be standing right here at the front. And if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to come and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. Stop living for this world. Stop letting the devil have a foothold in your life. But begin living your life for Jesus, sold out for Jesus, and committed to Jesus, and standing for Jesus, so that you can experience the great joy of being a follower of Christ. If you're here this morning and you've been visiting this church a while and Lord is leading you today to make this your church home, then we invite you to come and make this your church home. If you need to come and just bow up this at the front this morning, then I invite you to do that. Let's pray together. Let's stand and let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, that for all of sin fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The consequence of you committing one sin or a million sins is death. So the wages of sin is death. But Romans 6.23 also says, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you have not experienced the free gift of Jesus Christ, you haven't experienced the free gift of eternal life, then after I pray, 
invite you to come. We're going to have a time of invitation, and everyone's invited to make a decision today. Let's pray. Father God, we do come before you now just acknowledging that you are the one true only God. Father, we can try to craft gods with our own hands, but every single time those gods will let us down. But you are the one true God, and you will never let us down. You have made it so abundantly clear in your word that you love us, that you died for us, that you gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us. And Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your love. And so, Lord Jesus, as we enter into this time of invitation, Father, I know that in a room this size, there is very likely someone in this room that have never surrendered their lives over to you. They have never cried out to you and asked you to forgive them of their sins. And they have never surrendered their lives over to you and made a commitment. They're going to live for you as opposed to living for this world. And so I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will touch them, that you will draw them unto salvation, and that today will be the day of their salvation where they come to trust you and know you and experience grace. Father, if there's some here this morning that need to join this church, Father, then, Lord Jesus, we invite them to come to be a part of Friendship Baptist Church, this local body of believers. But, Father, even more important to that, to be a part of the universal church that is represented around this world. And, Lord, we know that there are power in numbers. And so, Lord Jesus, as we unite with other churches to take the gospel around this world, Father, we need those that are sitting in these pews that are not members May today be the day that they choose to be a part of this faith family. Father God, just move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.